the failures of Derek Falvey and Bad Levine's front office on today's episode of Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome to the Lockdown Minnesota Twins podcast. Today is Wednesday, February 9th, and I'm your gracious host, Nash Walker. Thank you for making Lockdown Twins your first listen every day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms. I'm Nash Walker, writer at Twins Daily, lifelong Twins fan, bringing you five days a week, now three days a week coverage during the lockout on the Minnesota Twins. And today we are back to talk about the failures of this front office since they came in before the 2017 season. Monday, we talked about the successes. There are plenty of failures as well, and we're going to pull those away and kind of build this equation and come to an answer later in today's episode of does it come out positively, does it come out negatively. Some of that will go into Friday as well when we talk about leash for this front office, although there might be a different perception of leash for us as there is for ownership and what they think of Derek Falvey and Thad Levine's job thus far. But we're going to look at failures today. Um, We break everything down on this podcast. We really do. We've broken down so many free agents, so many trade targets. We've broken down the front office. We've broken down. Next week, we'll break down Rocco Baldelli. It's all coming on Lockdown Twins. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow on Twitter at NashWalker9, at Lockdown Twins for twin stuff every day. I don't know if anyone tweets or talks about the Twins as much as I do, even in the middle of a lockout, which um, which is awesome. And we have a, we have a great team at Twins Daily pumping out great coverage, great content all the time. Locked On is outstanding as well with some great hosts. Uh, and I'm, I'm appreciative of you listening today. So thank you very much. We're looking at the failures. And whenever I think about this front office, and I want to make this very clear, this is a nuanced conversation. It doesn't have to be, this was a complete failure. This was a complete success. And that's a good example of that is the Nelson Cruz signing. This front office brought in Nelson Cruz. This front office traded Nelson Cruz. This front office didn't create Nelson Cruz. So it's... Two sides work together. Sometimes two sides work together. Sometimes sometimes two sides work apart. Sometimes one side works, the other doesn't. It's hard to break it down in a completely refined way. Uh, now, the Nelson Cruz example is a good one because Nelson Cruz was, was already Nelson Cruz. He was already amazing. The front office brought him in. So how much credit do they get for Nelson Cruz and his success in Minnesota? You got to balance those things. We're balancing the failures too. So that's a big part of this. There's also adversity there's adversity for every front office. And maybe how you judge a front office is how they deal with that adversity, how they deal with injuries, how they deal with ineffectiveness, how they deal with X, Y, Z. The Twins front office has dealt with, with adversity. There's no question since they came in. They had immediate adversity. We looked at the Twins' top 10 prospects when this front office came in before 2017. The cupboards were bare. There was not a lot there in terms of top prospects outside of Alex Kirloff and, and Lewin Diaz. Those were the only two really. Uh, on that prospect list. Their number one prospect, Nick Gordon, could be a contributor for the Twins in 2022 and beyond, but we're not counting on that from Gordon. So that's adversity right there. There was adversity in 2019, even though the team was was very, very good in 2019. There was adversity in 2020. Of course, there was adversity in 2021. We're going to talk about all those things today. When I think of this front office, though, this is my main point. When we talk about failures, it's the first thing I wrote. It's the first thing that comes to mind when I think about their failures and I think about what could have gone better in the, in the past, what, what could they have done better? 
And maybe it's not entirely fair because not a lot of starting pitchers were traded at the 19 deadline. But the 2019 trade deadline was this prime opportunity to go out and get a top two or three starter. They didn't know Michael Pineda was going to be suspended. So there's adversity. They didn't know that that Pineda suspension was looming. And they they assumed it would be Barrios, Pineda, Odorizzi in the playoffs. Pineda gets suspended. All of a sudden, Randy Domnek starting game two at Yankee Stadium. To be fair, Domnek was pitching very well, but not with a track record to pitch at Yankee Stadium in game two of a playoff series, right? That was not an ideal scenario for the Twins, especially after losing game one to then go to Domnek in a day game uh, in game two the next day. It wasn't an ideal scenario for them by any means. However, they could have done more at the 19 deadline. They could have perhaps traded for Marcus Stroman. Marcus Stroman moved to the Mets at the deadline. Mets not even sure if they were competing. Now, the Twins have said, there's been reports that the Twins were waiting for the Blue Jays to call back. They were waiting to make an offer, make their best offer for Marcus Stroman. They just never got that call back. So, again, it's nuanced. We don't quite know. However, we look at the results. We look at what happened. We look at what happened in the playoffs. Twins could have used a number two or three starter. And, and who does that fall on, ultimately? It doesn't fall on the Blue Jays. Right, It doesn't fall on the Mets. That falls on the front office to be able to go out and secure a number two or three starter. And maybe even someone like Zach Greinke, getting getting creative for Zach Greinke at that point, right? who had like a 275 ERA in, in Arizona. Eventually the Astros trade for him could have been the Twins. Maybe he's, they're on their, his no trade list, <laughs> right? So again, nuanced. It's nuanced. However, when you look at just the end of it, you look at the bottom line. When you work out an equation, you go assets minus liabilities equals stockholders equity. When you look at the equity of Yankee Stadium in game two, that's your outcome. How do we get there? That's what we see. We see the outcome, right? And, and we need more than what we saw in that outcome, which was a more competitive rotation in the playoffs. Twins offense didn't show up. No doubt about it. Twins offense didn't show up in the 2020 postseason either against Houston at home. Kenta Maeda pitched well. Jose Barrios pitched well. The offense didn't show up in that series. Adversity in there in that series, Josh Donaldson's hurt. Byron Buxton has a concussion. Adversity in the 2019 playoffs, Byron Buxton's concussed. Does it go any differently without him? Or with him, I mean? We'll never know. We'll never know. And, and likely not. And we will never know about that. I promise there are a lot of other little tidbit failures we're going to get to here. And, and some bigger ones as well. We're going to get to them after this word from Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right. Thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the best, the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy, cinnamony, churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. So good. These are going to be your new favorite. Go to Built.com. Scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at built.com. 
It's Super Week brought to you by Get Upside, and there's no better place to get coverage of the big game than the Locked On NFL podcast. Locked On Bengals and Locked On Rams are in L.A. all week covering the big game. Getting back to the failures of this front office since they came in at the end of the 2019 season or in that offseason leading into 2017. Offseason aggression, this kind of ties into the 2019 uh, deadline and biased right now because they did nothing before the lockout. So that just furthers the offseason aggression point. When I mean offseason aggression, we have not seen them once completely sell out early for a free agent. We just haven't seen it. And maybe they did for Zach Wheeler. They, they made him an offer. It wasn't enough. When I, when I say sell out, I mean secure. Secure Zach Wheeler. Secure you, Darvish. Secure Blake Snell in a trade. It doesn't even have to be a free agent. Aggression in the offseason. I want them to be more aggressive. It's just, I'm, I bet every fan base says this about their front office, but the Twins do it at such a turtle pace. And that, that doesn't mean that I don't think that sometimes is a good strategy. I think the process of last year's strategy during the COVID shutdown, kind of shut down in the offseason, actually played into their hand. I think it does at times. Didn't this year before the lockout. No question about it. I, I wanted them to change their process this year. I made that very clear on this podcast. Like, please get aggressive for a free agent. Maybe they don't want any of those free agents, but it's hard to believe they don't want any of the five, you know, starting pitchers who signed for a hundred million or more. You don't want any of those guys. You got Bailey Ober and Joe Ryan. That's it. Right. So would like to see them get more aggressive for sure. The obvious ones we heard about all year, Akil Badu's non-protection, real five pick. Lamont Wade Jr. traded. Luis Gill traded in the Jake Cave deal. Tyler Wells didn't protect him. Baltimore picks him up. He was good out of their bullpen, throwing 97. Um, the 2020 offseason, I mentioned, I thought played into their hands. So maybe the process was sound, but the results weren't sound. At the time, I thought the Andrelton Simmons signing made a ton of sense for them, and I thought it was a good one. I wanted Marcus Semyon for them, but I was just fine with Andrelton Simmons. So I don't, I don't want to play this game where I'm, I look back and I'm like, well, I didn't really like this. I'll be honest with you. I like the Simmons signing. I called the Alexander Colome signing the best deal, the best bargain of the offseason. So I believe that the process was sound. The results were not. And so it's easy in hindsight to look back and be like, they should have been more aggressive. They should have been. It ties into my first my first offseason aggression point. This is a good example. Andrelson Simmons, who I, I ended up being okay with. And I I vowed to break down signings in a way where I'm not swayed, where I want, I don't want to be talked into it. I want to break it down. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to continue to do that. I did that with Dylan Bundy. was not, not super excited about that signing. I remain not super excited about that signing. I wasn't super excited about the Anderson Simmons signing. I was I was positive. I wasn't excited. But here's a good example. Instead of Anderson Simmons, take my first couple points of aggression. Go pay the extra for Marcus Semyon. <laughs> Marcus Semyon just had a 40 home run season for Toronto. Would it have changed the twin season? Probably not. But you could have traded Semyon for legitimate prospects at the deadline uh, instead of having to hold on to Anderson Simmons. So there, that's like a prime example for me of why I want them to change their process. If you want Marcus Semyon, Go get Marcus Semyon for $7 million more than you paid Anderson Simmons instead of getting Simmons and then signing Colomay. Go get Semyon, right? Again, last year, I, I like those moves. I like the process of those moves. So I'm going to be better. I've learned through supporting and, and getting talked into certain moves, but I did like those moves. The 2021 collapse. This is, this is just so complicated because it's not just what they did in the offseason. 
Buxton getting hurt, the COVID outbreak, ineffectiveness from guys who had been good prior to 2021. Jay Happ came into 2021, and I'll be clear, Jay Happ was the least the one I was least excited about last offseason. I didn't understand why they signed Jay Happ because I talk all the time about a righty heavy division. And to the extreme, the White Sox destroyed Jay Happ last year. I always talk about not starting lefties against the White Sox unless it's Robbie Ray, unless it's Carlos Rodon. Hopefully it is on opening day in 2022. Don't start lefties against the Sox. Soft tossing lefties. They did Jay Happ. They could they skipped him in the rotation at a certain point because he couldn't start against the White Sox. He got beat so bad by the White Sox. Um, didn't like that. So there, there's part of it. Like they, they shouldn't have made those moves. <sighs> Process versus results, man. It's just such a tricky game. The 2021 collapse at the athletic. Maybe this is a better way to say it at the athletic. They came out with this survey. And we've talked about it the last couple episodes. What do you credit the 2021 failure? What's your biggest, like, credit to the failures in 2021 i said not enough talent acquisition in the offseason which i would still i mean i said that last week so i i will stand by they should have should have had Semyon instead of simmons they should have gone higher on the free agent market for starting pitchers they should have done this they should have done that there were also things that happened in the season when we talk about adversity that definitely didn't help their case either but that's not letting them off the hook they needed to do more in a position to win the central last year to really bolster the team and move it forward. Let's talk more about uh, Derek Falvey, Thad Levine's tenure after this word from Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game this Sunday. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. Bet Online has up to the minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing. UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline is where the game starts. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline, where the game starts. Looking back at some of the failures of this front office, how they're nuanced, how the successes are nuanced too from Monday. The lack of the movement before the lockout, that kind of ties in with offseason aggressiveness. The Miguel Sano extension at this point doesn't look great. However, it was a, a low-risk kind of extension. But he makes it trickier this offseason because do you stick with him at first base? Do you um, put Alex Kirloff there? Do you trade Miguel Sano? Do you have to eat money in a trade? Doesn't look great. The Polanco-Kepler extension, especially the Polanco extension, look good. Look, Kepler's looks decent. Sano's not so great. Jose Barrios. Failing to extend Jose Barrios. What do you think? Guess the jury's out on that. But the Twins could use him in their in their rotation right now. If I were to ask you today, would you rather have Jose Barrios for the next seven years at uh, $130 million, I think is what he signed for with the Blue Jays. Or would you rather have Austin Martin and Simeon Woods-Richardson uh, with six years of team control, three at the league minimum, three at arbitration salaries. But we don't know if they'll ever make it to the majors. However, Martin's a top prospect. Simeon Woods Richardson, top 100, former top 100. What would you What would you prefer? I think right now, sitting here right now, I would put Jose Barrios's contract on the books. So I call that a failure because I would take that contract over Martin and, and Woods Richardson right now. That could change. If the Twins go out 
well, it could have changed before the lockout. This was my point. It could have changed before the lockout because if the Twins went out and they signed Robbie Ray for five and one fifteen, or Kevin Gaussman for five and one fifteen, they had signed in that range. And then they also had Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richardson, and they had that pitcher they signed for less money than Murillo signed for. Yes, that's a win. I would rather have the former than Murillo's in that case. But they didn't do that. And Carlos Rodon doesn't really fit that bill. He doesn't really fit that bill. They could flip this by taking a different group of prospects, trading them for a Chris Bassett or a Frankie Montas, and then extending said pitcher on a lesser deal or on a similar deal. And Martin ends up being better than the player you sent out for the pitcher they traded for, if that makes sense. So it's the jury's out. But today, I would take Barrios and his contract over Austin Martin and Simeon Richardson. So I'll put that in this group. Um, this offseason, the jury still is out. The lockout's not over. There's still players out there. There's still trades to be made. So we're not going to judge this offseason until it's over. Have I been discouraged? Am I upset about what happened before the lockout? Absolutely. I think it's it's really disappointing so far. Um, the pitchers added, Woods Richardson. Other pitchers they've added to this system via draft. Matt Cantorino, Cole Sands. A lot of guys they brought in, you know, Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober. They have guys, the pitchers added, jury's out. We talked about that on Monday. A big part of what how this front office is evaluated will come in 2022. Uh, I said that about 2021, and yeah, a tick went down for sure. And now you're like, you got to show out. Show out or shut up at that point uh, about this farm system. So it's a big summer for that. Um Jose Miranda, Spencer Steer, development. We'll see just the development of the, the hitting prospects. Royce Lewis, the Royce Lewis pick, their number one pick in 2017, uh, could end up being a booming success, could end up being one of their brightest failures on their resume, drafting Royce Lewis ahead of Hunter Green, who's a top 15 to 20 prospect in baseball, throwing 100 for the Reds. Twins could use him. Could end up being a failure. Uh, Austin Martin, Yohan Duran, again, could end up being failures, could end up being booming successes. So we talk about jury being out on that. There's a ton to gauge in 2022. And that's when I when we look at this equation, they've had their successes. They've had their failures. I think what it comes out to, and I didn't mean to just scrub over the, the Badoo, Wade, Eel, Tyler Wild stuff. That sucks. In some ways, the jury's still out on them too. We got to see. We see guys have great rookie seasons and then end up not producing the next year. And they don't end up really having prolonged major league career so we have to see now they lost town that sucks i think lamont white jr is going to be a good player i think akil badu is going to be a good player i think tyler wells and Luis gill are going to be good players as well so that sucks and those could enhance into bigger failures as well so i didn't mean to just brush over that i think the extent of that failure has yet to be seen it could be a mini one-year failure it could be a prolonged career career failure or it could be something in the middle um, of those two things but a ton to gauge we look at that equation what I come out to is about a two or a three out of five. <laughs> it's, it's like, it is, it's like right in the middle of zero was, I think they're terrible. They've done a terrible job. Five means I think that they are the most amazing front office I've seen. They're two or three, probably a two and a half. They're probably right in the middle of uh, zero to five at this point. I keep using that scale because of the athletic survey, but I'd probably put them at a two and a half and we're going to find out a lot. They have the uh, downside to get to a zero. Honestly, and they have the upside to get to a five, I think, with the arms in the system and with, um, you know, with hopefully development from those prospects and, and hopefully some moves after the lockout. 
Friday, we're going to talk about the leash for Derek Falvey and Bob Babavine because this will be year six. This is year six. A lot of front offices don't last that long. I'm going to reference a piece uh, from Britt Giorelli. I think that's how you say her name at The Athletic. She's amazing. Uh, writer at The Athletic. So I'll reference a piece she wrote about GMs and how long they last. Uh, and then we'll use that to kind of evaluate Derek Falvey and Thabavine. And then we'll also link in Polad's comments, other things as well. But we have Rocco Baldelli next week, his evaluation, and then we're going to do an ownership evaluation shortly after, hopefully as the uh, new CBA is inked. Thank you so much for listening today. Thank you for making Lockdown Twins your first listen every day. And I'll make your second listen, Lockdown Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Lockdown Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you again for listening. Have a great day. Go Twins.